now it's much more about a practical and data-driven measurement and approach to what strategy makes sense over the longer term, not just to talk about sustainability, but to put into practice this as a concrete piece of strategy. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. For many years, sustainable or green business practices have been nice-to-haves inside of many manufacturing organizations. But when forced to make a decision, most leaders will end up choosing profitability over sustainability. In this conversation today, my guest will tell you how those two things, profitability and sustainability, are becoming much more closely linked. Specifically, she'll break down three reasons why manufacturing leaders should care about this topic. And she'll conclude by offering her advice about how to start taking steps in the right direction. Let me introduce her. Lauren Dunford is CEO of Guidewheel, a global software company on a mission to empower all the world's factories to reach sustainable peak performance with cloud-powered factory ops. Guidewheel is backed by top-tier investors, including Graycroft, and in, 22, in 2022 was recognized by the World Economic Forum as one of 100 most promising companies globally poised to make a significant impact on business and society. Lauren brings a dozen years of experience in supply chain and operations and a BA and MBA from Stanford University. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Joe. Great to be here. Well, Lauren, can you start by telling us a little bit more about your own personal journey and also what GuideWheel is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll start with you know what what Guidewheel does. So basically, it's factory ops. We take the kinds of real time visibility and plant floor tools that historically were accessible only to very large manufacturers, and we make those tools plug and play. The vision is make access possible for any factory of any size, uh, no matter where they are in the world, and that that'll have huge benefit for them and their businesses. Uh, and then also, of course, you know, huge benefit for economy, for the planet, uh, et cetera. And then in terms of how the heck I got into this space. So I've been obsessed with uh, supply chain operations, manufacturing for a dozen years now. Um, first actually got started uh, in operations at Stanford when I was an undergrad there then got a Fulbright to study supply chain, and then spent five years actually working out of a fresh food manufacturing plant in Oakland. I was on the accounts team, so I was responsible for 65 million of the West Coast business, 
sitting in the plant every day uh, and seeing firsthand how much we tracked very manually, uh, spreadsheets, clipboards, sticky notes, um, and also saw that, that that manual tracking wasn't because our operations team wasn't fantastic. They were. Uh, they were also making great decisions about technology. It was, we were tracking so manually because the options that existed for real-time visibility were heavyweight and would have been so oversized for a business like ours that they would have crushed us. Um, so headed back to Stanford and focused the two-year MBA there on how do we apply technology for the plant floor in really smart and elegant ways uh, to make that kind of visibility accessible much more broadly. And that's where, uh, where GuideWheel started. Lauren, we're going to get into some trends in manufacturing that you're seeing shortly. And I expect we'll spend a good portion of this conversation talking about sustainability. Can you make the connection for us between that topic and what you're doing at GuideWheel? Absolutely. So uh, GuideWheel typically starts with core factory operations. Uh, what can we do on that plant floor to give real-time visibility that drives revenue and margin uh, to hit your business objectives? The way we will usually start by getting that visibility into any piece of equipment, new, old, any make, model, or age, is actually through a simple clip-on sensor that measures the electricity used by that machine as a proxy for how it's running. Uh, running on low, dry running, idle off, um, every cycle and, and bit of speed becomes uh, very visible as well through that current draw. And so what we've always found magical about these sensors is you clip them on and same day, you can have second by second visibility into any piece of equipment to drive those core metrics, revenue and margin. The tie here to sustainability is that by measuring that electricity draw of the equipment, we also can make that accessible uh, it, with all of the functionality that a manufacturer needs to quantify and reduce their energy consumption. It's a, a full suite of energy management tools, which can also tie in to carbon reporting and accounting, uh, which is something, of course, we'll dive into on the sustainability side, increasingly important uh, and something that folks are tracking. So we use that electricity draw as a way of getting real-time visibility for core factory operations and then it also uh, has this benefit of all of the environmental sustainability metrics you might want to track. Uh, so that's what ties us into that sustainability space as well. So as CEO of a company that collects data from machines inside of factories, I know you talk to a lot of manufacturing leaders. I'm just kind of curious from anybody who talks to, you know, who sees as many facilities and um, talks to as many manufacturing people as you probably do, what are some of the trends you're seeing right now across the industrial sector? Uh, I'll dive into a few of the trends and also just want to frame it in terms of how impressed I am with the resilience and leadership and just incredible um, way that leaders in manufacturing are responding to some very tumultuous times economically. Um, our customers just amaze me every day, and I feel so lucky to get to work with them and support them. So in terms of concrete trends, um, we still, of course, see talent as the major one. Uh, that's what comes up in almost every conversation. Uh, for a while there, it was just huge, you know, challenge finding day-to-day -day labor and folks to run machines. 
that's uh, alleviated just a little bit in, in the past couple of weeks and months that we've seen for some industries, all of this, of course, very industry dependent, but there's still a big talent concern of so much valuable knowledge retiring uh, as the as many folks in the workforce retire, um, so much valuable knowledge that needs to be transmitted to that next generation. So talent, almost always number one in any conversation. Three additional trends that we continue to see, uh, supply chain for sure, being a big one, uh, dependent on the industry, but raw material shortage, long lead, lead times, um, getting much better uh, now over the past few weeks and months as well, uh, but was definitely a, a concern, of course, as I'm sure you've heard <laughs> loud and clear with others. And then the other two that we tend to see um, are, first of all, uh, a, a real kind of uncertainty around how the macroeconomic situation is going to affect uh, demand and how to plan ahead from a capacity perspective. Um, just broad uncertainty. I have no secret knowledge there of how things will play out, but a, a lot of questioning and watching very closely among the leaders I speak with. And then lastly, more so in some industries than others, but regulation increasingly play, playing a role, uh, especially around the topic of environmental sustainability and some rules that are likely to come down in that space as well. So the four trends would be talent, uh, supply chain, macroeconomic uncertainty, and then that, that regulatory impact dependent on industry. Okay, great. Well, the first two topics there are ones I've covered from a variety of angles on this show. And you and I were talking about that recently. I think where um, I'd love to focus some of our conversation today is around an area that I know is one of your passions and that's sustainability as, as it relates to manufacturing. Um, so I think we're going to do a deep dive there. And, and I'd, I'd love to start by you maybe just hitting on, you know, what are some of the key reasons that manufacturing leaders care or at least should care about sustainability in their operations? Yeah. And for purposes of this conversation, I'll, when I say sustainability, mean environmental sustainability. And of course, we, we come in with a particular focus there on the, the energy management side. So just, of course, it's a broader term, but that, that's where we'll focus. Um, and just to kind of start off on, on that topic, I'll share the three main reasons that we see folks really starting to care now uh, about sustainability in a big way. And add the caveat that this is a word that lots lots of folks have said for years. Um, and previously, uh, you know, we were watching it closely. Some folks would care. What we've seen in the past year or so is that sustainability has become a real and concrete driver of business value in a very different way than it was previously. So that's really where uh, Guidewheel and, and I you know, tend to watch it is when, when is this gonna matter and, and move the needle meaningfully on business value relative to other levers that our manufacturing leaders have. And the three reasons we're seeing there are first of all, from a customer facing side, whether it's B2B um, or B2C, there's an ability for environmental sustainability to open up access to new markets and channels and really be a competitive differentiator with customers uh, that's changing in a very real way. The second area is with investors. Uh, happy to dive into that more, but just increasing real effort to not only talk about, but also quantify uh, on that sustainability side and the investing landscape. And then the third being that regulatory area. So customers, investors, and uh, that regulatory area being the reasons we see this becoming more and more of a driver of business value. Great. Well, I think it provides a nice framework for this conversation if we kind of go into each of those buckets one by one and, and break down what you're seeing. Um, 
let's start with, you know, the first one on that list. Tell me how sustainability in this context can affect new market penetration and resulting revenue growth. Yeah, definitely. So I'll start with the B2B side. So we'll, we'll touch on B2B and B2C because, of course, very different in both of those areas. On the B2B side is we're seeing um, more and more large companies, whether it's ones who are anticipating uh, regulation from the SEC um, or just taking a stand uh, because they have pressure from customers, uh, kind of want to make sure that they're anticipating uh, sustainability as as something that'll um, be important to their business value, saying, hey, we want to not only set uh, goals for environmental sustainability, but back those goals up with data. And so what that tends to look like is larger companies setting targets for whether it's net zero carbon emissions reduction, net zero carbon emissions or carbon emissions reduction in three areas, scope one, scope two, and scope three, uh, representing getting farther and farther away from the core business operations. Scope three is where, for the manufacturers that we mostly work with, uh, this tends to play a big role. And, and scope three is all of the broader emissions from the supply chain and use of a company's pro- products. So an example here would be when GE says, hey, you know, we're going to make very real emissions reduction targets and apply those out to scope three or another large company doing that. That tends to affect anyone who's supplying that company with goods, because it means that one of the criteria that that company is looking at in terms of who suppliers are and what they're tracking for their supplier base becomes uh, carbon emissions. So that data becomes even more important. Uh, And what we're seeing right now is largely a shift towards that tracking rather than it being firm or black and white. Um, But tracking that data can become a differentiator then as a supplier for those larger customers. What we're then seeing for folks on the uh, end market being consumer side. So B2B, it's that big companies are setting goals and more and more uh, it's a differentiator to be tracking carbon emissions as a supplier. For B2C, and this can be for B2B manufacturers that are selling to other folks whose end markets are consumers or retailers, so packaging, selling to food companies who sell to Target or Walmart, et cetera, uh, would be an example. What we're seeing is that more and more of those large retailers are also setting uh, very concrete goals around carbon emissions. And that's having them the same effect in terms of their supplier bases. They need to be able to quantify that scope three, the supply chain uh, emissions. And so carbon emissions is becoming something where if you're selling to a large retailer or your customers are selling to a large retailer, tracking that is becoming more and more important. I think for a a stat there, the number of large retailers who had set uh, emissions reduction goals doubled. Uh, from 2019, and is now at, I think, 65 global retailers, and the, the trends folks are seeing are continuing to increase there. So all of these are leading indicators um, from what we can see of an increasing trend in really quantifying uh, that supply chain carbon emissions impact. So just to clarify, are we talking about you know the Walmarts and Targets and big big box retailers of the world saying, you know, we have, we, we will by some date have X percentage of uh, the goods that are stocked on our shelves for consumers that meet these, these sorts of regulations, or is, is that kind of what you're, you're hinting at here? 
Yeah, great question. What we see is often it's a little bit more general than a very specific commitment to what's on the shelves. What they're generally looking at is their supply chain overall, of which a piece of that is the things on the shelves. And then a piece of that is transportation and logistics and, and all of the other things as well. So I think it varies based on the, the retailers from what I've seen. Uh, but definitely the, the overall trend is more and more folks starting to care and want to quantify uh, whether it's to get a baseline at this moment or to drive improvement over time. And what that means for the folks you know, selling into those retailers or selling in to people who are selling into those retailers is that thinking ahead around how you can differentiate yourself uh, from a competitive position, uh, sustainability is becoming a more and more concrete way to do that. Yeah, there's really a trickle-down effect that starts way upstream, huh? Exactly. Yep. Okay, let's take a quick break here. I want to let a couple of our strategists at Gorilla76 tell you about something pretty cool that we're doing right now for marketing folks in the manufacturing sector. Peyton and Mary, take it away. Yes, so I'm Peyton Warren. And I'm Mary Keough. Twice a month, we host a live event called Industrial Marketing Live. Right now, we have a group of 50 plus industrial marketers from a variety of manufacturing organizations. We meet up digitally to learn, ask questions, network, and get smarter. Every session has a designated topic, and one of our team members at Gorilla76 opens up by teaching for the first half hour or so. Topics have included how to get better at a manufacturing webinar, getting started with paid social on LinkedIn, how to optimize your website for conversions, creating amazing video content, and so much more. After we break it down, we open it up to Q&A so we can help you apply all of this in your own businesses. This is pure value, no cost, no strings attached, no product or service pitches, just a 100% unadulterated learning experience. Oh, and on top of these live sessions, we've also opened up a Slack channel where our attendees bounce ideas off each other and learn together all week long between sessions. We're building a true community of manufacturing marketing professionals here. So if you or someone at your company has the word marketing in his or her job title, please consider telling them about it. They can visit industrialmarketinglive.com to register. We'd love to see you there. So Lauren, tell us next about what sustainability in a manufacturer's operations can mean to private equity firms or other potential investors in those companies. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this is interesting because it's coming at, at various levels of investment as well. So um, wanted to kind of touch on first the trends that we've seen among investors in private equity firms. So the, the GPs or LPs in those firms. Uh, and then how the firms themselves are starting to, in deal diligence, and then also in portfolio management um, of the companies that are in their portfolio, uh, care more and more about this. From an LP perspective, we're seeing similar trends in terms of the um, kind of investors in those private equity firms setting their own uh, ESG um, targets, which include environmental sustainability as one component, um, and that those targets and reporting requirements are starting to trickle down quite a bit to the private equity firms themselves. And the impact of this net is that not only is environmental sustainability something that's becoming more and more tracked, so something that, that folks anticipate getting questions about and want to be able to be prepared for those questions in a data-based way, but it's also something that's starting to drive increases in business value 
from manufacturers who can speak to uh, that ESG or environmental sustainability component. Um, because from a deal diligence perspective, and something that I think the stat I saw was 93% of private equity firms are willing to say no to a deal for ESG reasons. So becoming really important as a, you know, a factor that could put the deal at risk. And then more and more are also starting to look at uh, environmental sustainability as a driver of both business resilience and business value over the longer term. Ties back, of course, to that, that conversation about customers. So in that deal diligence process, it's something that's increasing the valuation commanded by businesses that do have a, a real strategy and data-driven story there. Once you're in that portfolio, it's also something where the number of board meetings that are including uh, KPIs related to environmental sustainability and ESG is another one that's doubled <laughs> in the past few years. So if you are part of a private equity portfolio, odds are that you're at in an increasingly uh, environment where you're going to need to report out on uh, what those environmental sustainability metrics are in your board meetings uh, as the private equity firm uh, wants to be able to report out in turn on the metrics around their portfolio to their investors. There's also this additional dynamic of uh, large pots of money. I think it's a trillion dollars uh, globally at the moment that are in dedicated ESG funds. So that money um, is available for folks that are you know, really concentrating on, on ESG as a key differentiator um, and is a separate thing from where we usually play in, which is folks who are looking to drive revenue and margin and all the things that we would normally care about in terms of growth of our manufacturing business uh, and are part of more traditional uh, portfolios, but looking to make sure that they're ahead of the game in terms of where, where that business value will be driven over the longer term. So Lauren, we've talked about the impact of sustainability on one, new market penetration, and two, attracting investors. You mentioned that a third reason manufacturing leaders should care about sustainability is because of anticipated changes in regulations in this area. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. And this is one where I think my recommendation is watch it uh, or, or you know track track this uh, because I don't personally know the exact ways that this are gonna this is gonna impact the manufacturing space. And I don't think anyone does. So uh, flagging this as something to watch uh, as every leader is wanting to get ahead in the strategies that they're building. On the regulation side, there are two big areas uh, that I personally am watching. The first is SEC regulations around carbon emissions for very large companies, uh, those scope one, two, and three, with scope three, the emissions from the supply chain, being one where as those larger companies uh, are held accountable to reporting on their emissions, that a lot of that will in turn trickle down to their supply chain in a very real way. These regulations are still being discussed. Who knows if they're even going to be passed? Uh, lots of details still to be firmed up, but something to track quite closely because the impact uh, could be so huge if, if they end up coming through. And because uh, a lot of the, those large companies are thinking very proactively about those potential regulations as well. And then the second one um, being the recent Inflation Reduction Act, which created 
large pools of money that are dedicated to uh, areas of renewable energy. So if your business touches anything that touches those areas, um, something to think about in terms of solar and uh, heat pumps and other forms of uh, clean energy that will need to be manufactured and will have associated packaging and components and things that will trickle through the supply chain, that there may be a, a vastly increased demand for those things. So watching the regulation from that perspective, and then also watching the Inflation Reduction Act regulation from the perspective of it's actually set aside and increased pools of money for projects that can concretely decrease emissions. So in energy intensive industries, um, there are dedicated funds to support projects that can actually dive in and, and help take those emissions down. There's also a dedicated pool of funds for uh, projects that can track and uh, kind of lay the groundwork for those emissions reductions as well. So lots of exciting stuff on the kind of changes in the overall market, what's being produced, as well as in terms of the potential funds available uh, for some of these projects. Lauren, you've covered a lot here around sustainability. What tangible advice can you offer our manufacturing leaders that are listening today who want to start putting some of this into action? Yeah, I think the, the big piece of advice is that the most thoughtful leaders I see are starting to watch this space in a very real way now. Um, for years, people talked about sustainability. You know, you'd put up a, a sustainability area on the website, or you know, you'd, you'd put green in in some place. Uh, now it's much more about a practical and data driven measurement and approach to what strategy makes sense over the longer term not just to talk about sustainability, but to put into practice this as a concrete piece of strategy. So thinking about it from those three areas of customers and market access, uh, investor, and then regulation. For your business, you know, of course it'll depend on your strengths and the, the markets you serve, but thinking about this as a lever that is a very tangible driver now of business value for those three areas, what pieces of those areas might be tailwinds that you as a leader can take advantage of or think about in building your strategy? What areas might be headwinds that you want to get ahead of and make sure that you're not uh, increasing the vulnerability of your business? So the big takeaway is uh, sustainability is now really something to watch. Uh, and one of those levers where similar to talent, to supply chain, uh, to the macro economy and matching uh, you know, demand with, with the capacity you have, uh, it's a key lever that can tangibly move the value of your business if you manage it as a leader in the right way. Great advice. Really, really good conversation today, Lauren. I appreciate you doing Thanks this. so much, Joe. Same. Can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and where they can learn more about GuideWheel? Yeah, absolutely. So we're at guidewheel.com, G-U-I-D-E-W-H-E-E-L. Uh, and Lauren Dunford, I'm on LinkedIn. Don't hesitate to message me. Very responsive and always up for a chat about any of these topics. Um, we really you know, learn so much from our customers, um, build based on what is most valuable to the manufacturing space. And whether it's a thing that you wish existed and, and that uh, you know, folks would build from the tech standpoint, uh, whether it's a request you have or just want to catch up, uh, always up for a chat. Perfect. Well, again, Lauren, thanks for doing this today. Amazing. Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate it. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive.
You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.